Ninja. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Geography Ninja. And um, really good to speak to you all again. It's been a while since I did the my previous podcast back in, I think it was September of 2020. Whoa, what a year 2020 was, eh? Plenty of stuff going on there. And um, that's really inspired me to do this particular podcast because I wanted to explore what the links are between geography and racism. And we, you know, you might think, oh, that's a strange sort of thing. Why? What's the point of, do of doing that? There've been so many things over this uh, this last twelve months that have really caught, I think, global attention. Really sparked by the the murder of George Floyd, and then you know followed up by really the prominence of the Black Lives Matter campaign and toppling of various colonial era statues in in parts of the UK so there's a lot of things going on there and it really has maybe made me rethink what geography's connection with some of this stuff is so I want to start off with a, a quote for you and this comes from some research I think this is Oxford University research done by Steve Puttick and Amber Murray in a publication called working towards anti-racist school geography in Britain and what they say is this, geography's problem with race has deep roots. The subject emerged in part um, as a tool of empire. Many have critiqued the discipline's enduring whiteness. England's problems with race are intertwined with these historical legacies as well as their persistence in the present, albeit frequently cloaked in the cultural context of post-racial ideologies which cast racism as a thing of the past now there's a lot there and we're going to we're going to try and unpack much of that um, in this podcast so what we're going to try what i'm going to try and do is is just really take a look back at the the roots of modern geography and really you know the legacy of colonialism um, and links with the british empire and so on within geography, certainly in, in British geography, and really question, you know, where that took us through the the twentieth century. You know, so when I'm thinking when when I was at school in the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties, what school geography was maybe like? What were the the sort of cultural and and racial assumptions? really, that, that were made. And I think a lot of the, the academic research, there's some brilliant academic research that's been going on really over the last 20 or 30 years on these type of issues. It seems to suggest that we have moved from a, a time where we were sort of maybe racist up to a point in a, in a lot of our assumptions that we're, we're just taking for granted in geography to a position now where maybe race is not really very visible at all in much discussion, particularly at school geography, key stage three in the UK, GCSE. This is the sort of um, high school, secondary school, up to really A-level. And it's only really once students go to university that they're going to critically assess some of this material in the context of, of race. Now, there have been lots of really great 
books recently dealing with uh, these sorts of issues. A, a couple that have really caught my attention is Rennie Edo Lodge's Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race and also Akala's Natives, uh, Race and Class in the Ruins of Empire. Now, both of these books um, very seriously discuss the whole issue of whether, you know, obviously racism is a, is a bad thing, but be, what's the position? What's if you're being neutral on race and you're maybe you're feeling like, well, race doesn't, we're not even going to think about race. It's not really an issue. The idea that that's not enough, you know, in today's world, we need to be anti-racist. We need to be actively fighting against racism in all, in all of its forms to do that. Uh, academic geography seem, seems, to, seems to be doing that pretty well. School geography, maybe it's, it's a different story. So that's a big part of what I want to try and unpack here today. The other, the other side of it is this, um, this idea of the disciplines enduring whiteness. And, you know, whether is geography, is it a white subject? Is it just too white geography? And if it is, well, what impact does that have? What are we gonna do now? Okay, well, look, I'm gonna start with with uh, National Geographic, which probably is the world the world's most widely read geographical publication. And back in April of 2018, they ran what they called the race issue. And really, you know, for for what the the since the end of the 19th century, you know, National Geographic have been putting out um, stories and articles and fantastic photography from all over the planet, um, which, you know, people quite rightly love. But they looked through their archives. They actually got um, a professor of history and photography to look through the archives. This was John Edwin Mason, a professor from the University of Virginia to carry out the analysis. And what he found was really up until about the 1970s, National Geographic pretty much ignored people of color within the USA. And if they were in the USA, um, they would, would generally be seen to be laborers or domestic workers. And the other representation of people of color outside the USA, this is, would have been showing people as as sort of exotic natives and there's a 1962 photo that's shown in the race edition uh, by photographer frank schrider which is showing uh men from timor island looking you know, in amazement at the the camera equipment of a white western phot photographer so already um, it's sort of setting up this this dichotomy between developed and undeveloped or civilized and and uncivilized and so on. So already planting these ideas. And Mason comments on this and says Americans got ideas about the world from Tarzan movies and crude racist caricatures. Um, segregation was the way it was. National Geographic wasn't teaching as much as reinforcing messages they already received and in doing so and doing so in a magazine that had tremendous authority national geographic comes into existence at the height of colonialism and the world was divided into the colonizers and the colonized that was a color line 
and National Geographic was reflecting that view of the world. So really, you know, we, we think of maybe the colonial era as a time when people had very different thoughts or, you know, were very open about their their thinking of, of you know, people in terms of some sort of racial hierarchy actually going back to um, 1916 my my oldest national geographic that i've got dates from i think it's 1949 but yeah i know you can they they go back a long way and the further you go back um the worse the rate the racism actually is uh, in the 1969 uh, 1916 rather there was a story about australia and there were photos of two um Ab- aboriginal people uh, with the caption, South Australian blackfellows, these savages rank lowest in intelligence of all human beings. So, yeah, unbelievable in, in, in many ways. But sadly, um, you know, this was perpetuating this sort of racist thinking that really developed and strengthened through the colonial era. So National Geographic there, you know, acknowledging the fact that their past coverage is is completely unacceptable by any any form of, of modern standards. And really, you know, the history of National Geographic um, and the origins of that publication do sort of echo where where we are with with modern geography. So one of the things I've been quite aware of in the last few years is uh, in my own teaching, really how to manage discussions about the British Empire, when a lot of students coming through seem to have very little understanding and certainly critical understanding of colonialism and and empire and really what that might mean in relation to the sort of concepts that are are necessary um, for living in modern day Britain. So things like race and identity and so on. So I would say some students who may be taking courses in history and politics might have a slightly better understanding, but a lot, a lot really do struggle with it. And I think, you know, in the UK last summer, summer of 2020, um, there was quite a, a, a major, uh, very high profile move to reevaluate lots of our statues that we have in, in public places um, historical figures, maybe with connections to the, to, um, the slave trade or, or colonialism. Edward Colston's statue in Bristol being probably the most notable one, you know, torn down and pushed into the into the harbour. But also in, in Oxford, um, there's been a long-running Roads Must Fall campaign. And this is really focused on the, the statue of, of arch-imperialist Cecil Rhodes, outside Oriel College and Rhodes himself really was famed for for his desire to really paint the whole of or most of Africa red you know the the color of the British Empire on on maps around the turn of the 19th and 20th century um, but his idea to to really paint it red from from Cape Town from the Cape to Cairo now really very very well known um, in places like South Africa, Zimbabwe. I mean, Rhodes obviously gave his name to Rhodesia, which which formally turned into 
Zimbabwe, but really I think it does emphasise that a lot of the, the, the roots of modern geography were in empire and this connection with, with sort of exploration and, and conquest, quite quite macho in many ways. So I think, you know, around that same sort of time, we've got probably, I don't know whether you'd call him the, like the founding father of modern Brit- British geography, but Halford Mackinder. And um, so, you know, really late Victorian era. And he's the person that introduced geography to Oxford University as, as an academic discipline in the 1880s. And anyway, Mackinder's whole legacy has been the subject of a, um, a study by Jerry Kearns from Maynooth University in Ireland. Now, he wrote a book called geopolitics and empire the legacy of halford mckinder and um, <clears throat> in this kearns describes halford mckinder as as having racist and imperialist views that really drove his geographical interests um, and this included things like writing of school textbooks and also going on expeditions so for example um, the sort of school textbooks that mckinder wrote in those early years of the 20th century would, for example, be describing the population of India as barbaric or really failing to mention any of the the colonial violence that was going on that was actually pretty well documented at the time. Um, but, you know, it's, um, it's left out, really, of any of this description. So Halford McKinder definitely could be described as an enthusiastic advocate of the British Empire alongside his his love of geography as well. Now, one of the other other things that is is brought to the attention about Halford Mackinder was the the sort of exploration and uh, expedition side of things. In ni- 1899, he went on um, an expedition to East Africa. Now, in order to help him on that, he bought 90 African porters from a slave uh, owner to carry supplies. Eight of those African porters were shot at his command for insubordination, whatever that might mean. And even on Oxford University's uh, website, so, you know, Mackinder, very connected with Oxford University, suggests that these porters were often whipped for minor disciplinary breaches and... Um, relations with with local villages were difficult because of the racist attitudes of many of the white members of that expedition. And Halford Mackinder himself um, often referred to the African porters as either slaves or faithful dogs. So, yeah, well, Kienz actually gave a, a lecture at Oxford in October um, 2019, really, you know, suggesting that Halford Mackinder's legacy is is actually very troubling because it's a legacy of of force and racism and the fact that we just need to be very honest about that but really you know the influence of um, colonialism the british empire the influence of national geographic certainly really very preeminent for the first half of the of the 20th century but you know legacy obviously lasting longer than that now let's let's take it up a bit more up to to the present day and 
we've actually got lots of academic research um, that's that's been done around the issues of race and geography. Um, two academics, John Morgan and, and David Lambert. Now, back in 2003, they published um, an article called Place, Race and Teaching Geography for the Geographical Association. Um, interestingly, Halford McKinder was actually one of the founding members of the Geographical Association. <clears throat> anyway, the, the research from Morgan and Lambert, it was really all about taking what can be called an anti-racist approach within geography teaching. And anti-racism is really the approach in which all forms of racist thinking are, are really actively challenged. And, you know, really being neutral on issues of race is, is not an option. It's because if you're neutral, you're just accepting the status quo and, and you know, suggesting there's not really any need to to challenge um, racism. So Morgan and Lambert state that they they don't see challenging racism just as a, a moral duty, but as a way of understanding how society actually works and how it arrived at where it is today. And really the whole point of their article here is to say this is a crucial task of geography teaching. And what they, they go on to, to look at is this idea of a shift from what they call an essentialist position to a social constructionist position. And what this, what this means, so in other words, if you take a social constructionist position, um, it really says that everything has, that has meaning for, for human beings is created by human beings. And that if you're, you're looking at apparently natural categories, such as as um, race, for example, you know, black and white are really capable of changing those meanings over over time and space. So they're not necessarily set. They're not, not you know biologically determined and and unchanging. They actually, you know, we we bring meanings to them. Um, on the other hand, an essentialist position would see these meanings as, as fixed um, and unchanging. So really Morgan and Lambert suggest that in geography teaching, we, what we need to try and do is avoid leaving students with the idea, in their words, that um, patterns of segregation or inequality based on race are fixed, immutable and unchanging. So what they, they say is that we should really be, be bringing in more discussion about how these patterns have been made, they've been constructed socially, and also how they could be constructed in a, in a, in a completely different way. So I think this distinction between what they call essentialist and the social constructionist is really important because if we look back at the days of Mackinder and you know early 20th century National Geographic, they are certainly looking at race in those essentialist type of terms. The other interesting thing, actually, that um, that uh, Morgan and Lambert suggest is that things really started to change when we began to put what they call scare quotes 
around terms such as race and racism. So, you know, using inverted commas, so open inverted commas, race, close inverted commas, or black and white with the, uh, the scare quotes around them. And they say this, the, you know, this is the point that we move from something being completely fixed in an essentialist way to something that's much more um, social construction. It's more about uh, the meaning that has been created. So what might be considered a natural category is not, you know, it does change o over time. What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? Now, all of this potentially sounds quite good. You know, we're taking this this sort of approach. However, what the research does seem to suggest is this is lacking in UK schools largely and certainly within the the geography curriculum. Um, so earlier on, I mentioned, we started off with that, that quote um, from Amber Murray and Steve Puttick, and this is, is really about anti-racist school geography. Now, <clears throat> looking at the present day UK school geography curriculum documents, their research actually showed quite a gap on issues of, of um, race and racism. And they suggested that the word race doesn't appear at all in any of the Department for Education documents on key stage three programmes of study. Now this in the UK, this is mainly for 11 to 14 year old students at secondary school. Um, however, they, they also, their research also showed that the word race is also absent from content material for, for GCSE. So this is the, the, the sort of end of high school qualification many students take at 16. But also it seemed to be lacking from um, A-level subject material, which is, is the, in the UK, this is the qualification that most students uh, use for entry to university. So on the back of this, um, Puttick and Murray actually wrote another article titled Confronting the Deafening Silence on Race in Geography Education in England. So in theory, um, you know, a UK student can make it all the way to the age of 18 and starting a university degree without ever really having confronted issues of race and racism within high school um, geography. And it's, you know, in this way, a number of academics have really suggested that all these important discussions um, and understanding have really, you know, been avoided and it, it holds holds students back. You know, there's a lot you can't really analyse effectively in human geography without having some uh, critical analysis of of the idea of race, the element of race. Now this was addressed actually by a number of right-wing politicians in uh, sort of autumn of 2020. So following uh, the protests and riots uh, that happened in the summer uh, following uh, George Floyd's murder um, in Minneapolis in the USA. And really, I don't know, is it trying to stifle any, any discussion of sort of anti-racism? particularly in, in teaching. So in September 
of 2020, um, Donald Trump called for a ban on the kind of knowledge that is produced using what's called critical race theory. And certainly also in the in the UK, Puttick and Murray state that the recent Department for Education guidance, this is the government department, um, states that schools should not under any circumstances use resources produced by organisations that take extreme political stances on matters. So this would include uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, now, if you don't know, critical race theory is it's sort of an idea that developed in, I think it was sociology, but it, it's um, it could be defined. So it's defined by uh, the, the online encyclopedia Britannica um, as the view that uh, the law and legal institutions are inherently racist and race um, itself, instead of being biologically grounded and natural, is a socially constructed concept that is used by white people to further their economic and political interests at the expense of people of colour. Now, this obviously sounds very similar to what we were thinking about a few minutes ago with taking a, a social constructionist approach in, instead of an essentialist approach. So we had the situation in the UK House of Commons where... Um, Conservative MP Kemi Badenoch was criticising critical race theory, really stating that the government is against the teaching of contested political ideas as if they are accepted fact. Now, what um, what Puttick and Murray really take issue with on this? They say, well, you know, considering race isn't really discussed, it's not brought in to the curriculum, racism is not brought into the curriculum in, in subjects like school geography. It's, you know, this is all, this is all what they call, you know, it's hyperbole. It doesn't really, you, you know, you're making an issue out of, out of very little um, at all here. But really, I think Puttick and Murray's research sets present day school geography teaching in the context of what could be called a post-racial society. In other words, you're thinking, well, we, you know, we've moved beyond race. We don't need to, to discuss race anymore. It's not an issue that has really any relevance. Um, the, the problem with that, that Puttick and Murray point out, is that you, if you avoid any discussion of race, then whiteness itself becomes really invisible. So it's it's not being discussed, the differences between, but in their own words, um, really, this in, invisibilization of whiteness does not eliminate its power. Rather, the white perspective persists unchallenged in the form of the universal, the neutral and the raceless and preserves rather than challenges institutionalized racial equalities and racism so you know in other words if we're not if it's not being addressed it's not even being acknowledged those sort of previous assumptions and representations just carry on un uncontested things don't change so you know we started off with that quote about 
England's problems with race being intertwined with historical legacies, but also about geography's enduring whiteness. So is it is it the sort of the white perspective that is is always present and always dominant? And ultimately, what does what does this do? What does this mean? If um, you know, it's what some some people call like a, a whitewashed representation of these different themes of geographical study. Um, if if students don't really have any sort of understanding, clear understanding of race and empire, whereas it's it's so fundamental to understanding Britain's place in the world, its relationships with other countries, the experience of, of migrants and so on. All of these things are incredibly important. So do we have um, do we have a situation where many students don't really have the tools to make sense of you know life in in modern Britain if we don't if there's no not enough critical analysis um, going on. Now, this really brings us on to the next point, which is about this, this enduring whiteness of geography as an academic discipline. And there's some excellent research that's been done at University College London, UCL, and their Institute of Education. It was highlighted in an article uh, called Left Out in Geography Lessons, let's tackle the subject's diversity problem. And this is uh, Garcia and Standish uh, who wrote this. And really it looks at the, the lack of ethnic diversity in geography. And what the research seemed to show was at, at GCSE, so up to about the age of 16, there is a reasonable amount of, of diversity. However, once past that level, there's far fewer students from ethnic minority backgrounds and that actually that continues through to uh, university study as well. So we get to the situation where Oxford University uh, back in 2017 was really you know trumping the fact that black and minority ethnic students were making up one-fifth of new Oxford undergraduates. However, between 2017 and 2019, there were no black students studying geography. Now this this comes from the, this is actually on the Royal Geographical Society website, and they have an article on there with a question that says, how can we decolonize geography? So the, the Royal Geographical Society, the RGS, are, are really acknowledging there is a problem within geography, geography relating to equality, diversity and inclusion. So that is really quite, I don't know what you think about that. I, I just think that's amazing um, to see how, you know, once past uh, high school, um, the, the, the ethnic diversity is really just is not there in geography. Now, <clears throat> the RGS website also quotes pre-eminent geography professor Danny Dawling from Oxford University who's actually been very critical of geography for these reasons and re-describing really geography there as the core subject of imperial domination. 
Wow. So, um, you know, really, it makes makes me think, you know, geography teachers, me included, we need to think much more critically in terms of race and how we represent race in our classrooms and, you know, how we maybe use textbooks, what textbooks are we are we using? So just to give you an example, you know, thinking about what sort of displays might be used to promote geographies, how are geographers portrayed and, you know, to what extent are we, are we bringing our unconscious bias? Um, how much is that playing a part? Inevitably, when uh, it's it's white geography teachers putting materials together. So, you know, personally, I'm very aware of displays highlighting, you know, famous geographers, including personalities such as maybe, I don't know, Prince William, Theresa May, um, other people, I don't know, Michael Palin. There's little recognition there of people of colour. It's very, very, very difficult. What about geography textbooks? What do people look like in less developed regions um, and in poor or deprived uh, locations? So, you know, they will often be shown as people of colour, whereas geographers are often represented as as white. So there was um, <clears throat> a, a key stage three textbook that was featured, a double page spread, which was titled, What is the Future for Our Planet? And there were nine geographers, some speech bubbles, giving different viewpoints. Now, eight of those geographers were white. So absolutely, you know, talking about its um, diversity problem, well, many textbooks are really just re reinforcing that. Now, I don't know, <laughs> all might not be lost. I mean, I'm, I'm a firm advocate of, of geography, as you know. D uh, Danny Dawling, I mentioned earlier, has been at the forefront of taking a very critical view of where we are with with geography for all sorts of reasons, in, including, you know, looking at the the sort of privilege and social class of of many geography students. But he goes on to say, if we geographers can better deal with our past properly, we could be so much better, so much kinder in the future. Geography could become the discipline of the future, the subject that studies the impending world in an involved and helpful way, not a distant, arrogant or knowing way. So I don't know what you think. I, you know, maybe our geography teaching is stuck in the past with some outdated views, not really very representative of wider demographics or of academic thinking. Um, I've got to say, though, just to it's not just geography. You know, you can look at other other academic um, disciplines at school level as well. History is in, in probably the worst example, uh, one of the worst examples. There's a U.S. high school history book called uh, Amer American Pageant. And this is really widely available um, or has been widely available in the US using racial terms such as mulatto to describe mixed race, people with mixed race heritage. In the same book, looking at migration to America, actually listing you know, Africans who were taken there as slaves, forcibly taken from Africa to go and work in in the US, um, just describing them as immigrants rather than slaves. So I don't know if that's not whitewashing history. I don't I don't know what is. 
Okay, well, I hope that's got you thinking about geography in maybe in a different way. Uh, some of you maybe not. You be, this has been something that um, you know you've been painfully aware of um, in recent years, and um, you know collectively, I think we've all got some responsibility to to act on this and do something about it. Okay, well, that's everything for now. Thanks very much for listening, as ever, and um, I hope to speak to you again very soon. Bye for now.